pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Noel Langley. Bending, Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 10, The Library. And we're back for another episode. It's so fun. We did that now last it's episode. time for us to go and start again. the show. You can't make me. Hey. Deception. Yeah. Hey, Ben. It's it's been a week. Oh, wow. I know. It's like it's been so long and so long. Farewell. Avita saying goodbye. It's been Max, you got to finish it. It's been what? Pruitt. <laughs> oh, witty banter. That's how we start our show. I am Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt. And we have our wonderful producer, just so lovely, Max Gongaware, who is twiddling the dials, making us sound all silky smooth. Ladies. No, no. bad, <laughs> bad, Max. Bad. <laughs> you are, you are in timeout. That was gross, very creepy, and I and no. So you're on probation for the next thirty seconds until we need you for Max's uninformed recap. But ben, until then, how was your week? My week, you know, it was meh, meh. Just, so I think you. You're allowed to have meh weeks, right? Yeah, I, there, there comes a point where like, oh, I should see the joy and all my... Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you have a bad week. And sometimes you just have a meh week. And sometimes you're just like... <sighs> it was fine. Right? Like, every day doesn't have to be amazing. Yeah. Every day doesn't have to be... But nor bad. should every day be bad. And, but things like you should... Like, I practice gratitude all week. That was you my know, thing, right? So like... Which helped. Like, I don't, that helped my days be better. I just said something that I regret. I said should. And one of the things that I've been trying to work on is saying should less. I want should to be less in my vocabulary it's than like, normal. Do or do not. There is no try. Right? Similar concept? I don't see the connection. Please help. So if you're saying should, it's because you, you should have done it, right? You should just do it. It shouldn't be a thing you should do. Just do it. No. Okay, tell me more. I feel like should creates this concept of shame where if I don't do, then I'm not as good as. So should implies that you should do or should have done, whereas this is not something that I should or should have. It's just something, something you did. That is did. a societal pressure that is putting being put on me, right? Yeah. Rather than being something that needs to be done, right? And so for me, it's more like, this is something that I had the option to do. I didn't have to do it. I didn't need to do it. I'm not being, I'm being pressured to do it, but it's my choice. I have the agency. Yes. I think should is a societal what pressure if you should, what and if it societal deception. But what if it's a value thing? Like your own personal, like you should have treated that person with, with compassion. Like you might not be a bad person, it might not equal shame because you didn't do that. But you can look back on it and say. But me saying you should have done this 
How does I'm, that make you feel? I'm saying you saying that to yourself. Regardless yeah. where it's coming from, you should have done something is a pressure that I don't know that I want to put on that. I think like anything else, this is the way that you say it. Like I think to myself, I, you know what? I should have done that and I didn't and I need to do that next time. I think that's fair without... Could making... you not have said, wow, I, I could have done that and I wish I had... I didn't, and I will next time. What's the difference? I think the difference is the mental story that happens when people are saying should, right? Should is something that creates shame, whereas the other language isn't. And I think it's the, what's the difference between, oh, I am a bad person versus I did something bad. Say I disagree. I think you say, you can say I, I should have done that, and I'm not a bad person because I didn't. That was a choice I made. I just didn't make a choice that... I should have made. I think for me, the story is different. Fair. And I wonder if that's true for other people. It might be. Is it true for you? Tell us in a voicemail. Yeah, and we have a voice memo this week. Oh, that's true. We, we do. Uh, which I love. Thank you all for for listening rising to our to requests the challenge. and rising to the challenge. We really appreciate that. But before we do that, it is time to talk about this episode of The Library through the lens of whoosh, deception. What was that sound? Whoosh. Yeah, but, but why? I'm over here and then whoosh. I'm what somewhere is, else. What is wish deception? It's like a whoosh. A whoosh. Yeah. It's yeah, like, a, like, like a cloud of smoke. Like, here I am. Whoosh. I'm over here now. I don't, whoosh. I'm over on this side now. I don't get it. I'm deceiving you. Misdirection. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Is this a cool. Citizen Cope song? <laughs> what? Misdirection. Deception. The sun's gonna rise. No. Did you just say contraception? No. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Max, you are now out of timeout, and it is time for your uninformed recap. 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 I meant let the drummer recap. kick. Let recap. the drummer kick is the song I was thinking of. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Max, oh. are you ready for your scenes and your key phrases? Sure. Okay. Scene one, Aang plays a wooden flute and gophers sing along. The last scene is the gang escapes from the library and realizes that Appa has been stolen. Your key phrases slash words are knowledge, advantage, lying, battle tactics, and owl spirit. You should also know the episode is called The Library. Yeah. I was, I've said that several times. Yeah, I've been listening. Yeah. Are you ready? Do you need any other things said again? No, this is going to be great. Okay. And you have 61 seconds away. 61. We go. All right, so the episode of The Library, of course, begins with Aang playing a wooden flute and gophers sing along. Um, and then in the middle of the episode, this, this flute playing um, provides the gophers with knowledge, um, and they're able to take advantage of that knowledge that they now have of the wooden flutes. Um, uh, but So they have the knowledge, but they, they choose... They don't want to give anybody else the knowledge. 30 seconds. So they decide they're going to start lying about the knowledge that they have, uh, which is an interesting 
battle tactic. Um, so the battle tactic, it's of course a, uh, it's a battle against groundhogs. Um, but Ten fortunately seconds. the knowledge that they gained from the wooden flute was about owl spirits. And um, they're, they're, they, they're lying about Three, the owl spirits and two, the gang escapes from the library and one, realizes that Appa has been stop. stolen. That was so well-timed. Perfectly timed, some might say. All right, uh, I'm going to give it a, a D. This was probably one of the um, most far-off synopses that you have given, Max. You'd think I'd be getting better at this. You would think. I would think. Maybe you should just watch an episode. No, See, there's you. that word should. You're pressuring him. How okay. dare you? I wish you would watch an episode. No, thank you. Ben, you're up. Deception. Are you ready? Wait, what am I doing? You've got 30 seconds. Okay. On your mark. Get set. Go! Once upon a time in a land far, far away, Aang and the gang decided to go on many vacations. They decided they wanted to go to an ice oasis in which there was a giant ice thing and everything was super cool. And then they went and then it was super underwhelming. 15 seconds. They found a scholar. He was like, oh my God, there's this library in the desert. And then they went to the library in the desert and then they found, oh my God, Wan Chi Tong, an owl spirit. And they were like, oh my God, let's find information. And he was like, Five, no. Four, and he was like, three, okay, find it. And two, then they were like, oh my God, we one, found it. And he was like, seven. no. Honestly, perfect. Really. I mean, I masked the last five. I, I needed five more seconds, and I would have nailed it. Sure. <laughs> so, lots of lie. Well, not even a lot. Just, like, big, like one big lie. There's, 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 there's more than more. that. There's more There's way more than that. But... So, let's talk about deception in the first place, right? So, I, I, was, been, I was doing some research, right? Uh, and so... Uh, Deception is an act or statement which misleads, hides the truth, promotes a belief or concept or an idea that isn't true. It's often done for personal gain or advantage, but not always. That's implied. It's also done for other reasons. It can involve dissimulation, propaganda, sleight of hand, distraction, camouflage, concealment. There's just so many different things that deception can come from. And I find that I was baiting between two quotes at the beginning, and so I opted for the Wizard of Oz, obviously. So pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Um, That's from the Wizard of Oz. What? Yep. And so he's the the old guy is like, oh, my God, he's doing all these things, and there's this big projection of the wizard, and they're like, oh, my God, the wizard. And then they see this man behind the curtain. He's like, oh, my God, the curtain comes undone because Toto, the dog, pulls it back. I felt the rains down in Africa. Different Toto. And then, like, he's like, oh, my God, the curtain. And he tries to pull it back and says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And so that's, like, a form of deception. He's like, don't pay attention to what's the thing that is guiding the deception, um, which is why I chose that one ultimately. But the other one I was entertaining was from Benjamin Franklin, which is the easiest thing in the world is for a man to deceive him to deceive himself. And that's something that is really interesting because I feel like there's a lot of self-deception in this episode too, honestly. So I, Ooh, I think that'll be interesting I to kind of dive into. Yeah. So I think there's deception from the stories we tell ourselves as well as deception from the things we tell others. Intentionally or unintentionally. Interesting. Well, the part that I researched here was why do we lie? Well, why do we lie, Sunshine? Uh, and uh, ultimately, according to uh, Psychology Today, which is becoming a fun little resource, Seth Slater um, 
ultimately just uh, brings it up to its safety. A lot of the times, majority of the times, we as people lie as a safety mechanism. That makes perfect sense Similar to, to um, the way that animals do it. And he actually, one of the things that... I, animals he, uh, lie? He brought up the killdeer, um, which is a medium-sized shorebird that nests in shallow depressions on the ground. Um, to protect their eggs from predators, they will actually fake injuries and and like limp and drag their like their wing on the ground as they walk away from a nest to lure their predator away. And then when they get far enough away and the predator like jumps at them, they just they then fly. So that way it lures away from the. It's like similar to a possum playing dead. Yes. So which I which is, was a cool little thing to look at. Um, but ultimately, we lie in moments, and I think you'll see it in this episode, where it's a, we need this thing for our protection, our perceived protection. Um, and so you see a lot of moments of lying due to safety or the, the need to feel safe. I really love that element because I, I'm not against lying, honestly. Like, my values do not say that i cannot lie well and there's so many moments where especially when you think of it from a safety measure that it might be important to lie yeah exactly right right to do the right thing you might need to lie and i value honesty like highly i truly do i think honesty is a really important character trait and i think that lying is also important in a lot of real ways and so it's it's really just very gray shades of gray here for sure uh, yes and so is is lying wrong i guess it depends on what the lie is um yeah absolutely you, you know what who you're talking to do you feel safe talking to that individual well and it's the simple thing like uh, the the lie that we tell everyone every day is like oh how was your day it was good it was good when like it's just so I am so uninterested in having that conversation that it's easier to say, oh, it was fine. It was good. I enjoyed it. Like the one line that, that ends it is like, I'm ending this conversation because I'm un- uninterested in having it. Which is interesting because I think that I, I will have that answer with some people. And with other people, I might be a little, it was, it was fine. It wasn't great. Like... So based off like your the, intonation more than anything. Well, but even just based off of like, who am I talking to? Do I want, am I cool with diving in a little bit more with why I didn't or did enjoy my day? Or is it someone that like, yeah, I, you are not interested or perceived like you are not really interested in this, in the response that I have. You're asking out of a courtesy and thus I don't really want to give you an answer versus do I want to have this conversation and I'm not in a place where I want to? Or, no, I feel like I'm down to have this conversation and I feel like you genuinely asked because you want to know. That's so big because I one of the things, I worked with teens for a long time and one of my things that I preached was when you ask how some, like when you ask about someone's day, I want you to mean it because otherwise they're going to keep walking and be like, it was fine and they're going to keep walking. And I like, I feel like I had that conversation pretty frequently around, you need to mean it when you ask the question. Yeah. And it's fascinating because some of them, I saw that lesson land and I saw it change 
that one thing changed the way they interacted with people and it made all the difference. Mm-hmm. And then for others, they ignored it and it, it didn't do anything. Well, and I think it goes into a little bit of the story that we asked ourselves. Typically, if I'm asking like, hey, how's your day going? I am totally down for the conversation that typically follows. Like, or not even typically, like if the atypical response happens, like if I asked, I'm, I'm fine with having that conversation. Um, if someone was like, it's not been a good day. My response is typically going to be like, tell me more. Like, I, I, you know, I, I feel like when I ask that question, I, I do mean it. Um, but there's definitely times where I feel like the story I'm telling myself is that when some people ask me, they're like, they're not ready to hear the answer. I don't want to hear the answer or just saying out of a, out of a courtesy. Um, and so there takes a little trust there. And so, well, and sometimes, sometimes you lie in that moment. And there's right? multiple layers to that. Sometimes it's the other person's not, doesn't want actually care. Sometimes it's like, I just don't want to get into this. Sometimes it's like, I need 15 minutes before I'm willing to answer that question because I just got home and I'm so just emotionally not interested in having a conversation right now. And there's, there's so many different layers that sometimes we need to ask more than once. Sometimes we need to. Someone says it was fine, and then you wait ten minutes and you go, "It doesn't seem like it was fine." Like sounds hey, like, uh, yeah, like really. Cur- how was today? Be curious. You said this, but I'm hearing something else, right? And that, yeah. like that, in and of itself, is like, oh, this person's really interested and not interested in the deception that you're putting forth. Like, it's almost as if deception is so like in this mindset is really interesting because. I want you to see that I'm deceiving you and then like bypass it. I want you to figure out a way to get around this deception so that I have the, I know that you care enough. You've got to prove to me. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's like that in and of itself, that's a whole different layer that in and of itself is a deception, right? That's so interesting. That's fascinating. Well, this we talked about, we highlighted it last ex- uh, highlighted it last episode with the stories we tell ourselves and are we deceiving ourselves in those moments? Well, and that's what I said was for Benjamin Franklin's quote, like the easiest thing in the world is for a man to deceive himself. Like the stories we tell ourselves deceive us so much faster than any story that anyone else tells us, right? Like I walk in the door, I, you say how was your day? I'm like, oh, he doesn't want to hear it. And then I believe that story immediately. Mm-hmm. And that, whether that's true or oh, not. I ask like, you that question every day. Oh, and I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's and like, uh, like, I'm like, rather than talking about the situation, if I'm going to answer that, honestly, it's one of those things where, like for me, I get home and I just don't want to hear the, I just don't want to have that conversation mm-hmm. yet. Right. Right. I'm just not interested. Well, in and it. it typically follows up with like, so was work busy? Was it like, well, yeah. Like, and it's just, do you get better at anything? Did yeah, it like take? Well, like... And, well, and it's like I'm sure for you, it's like oh god, I have to pry and pull and like tease this information. That is a story out. you're telling yourself. It is right. Yeah. And and so, but at the same time, I'm just for me, so just like give me wait until I initiate the conversation, and then it's just like oh, it'll like I'm ready. I'm ready to have this conversation now. But that's not how it is for everybody. And right. I want to recognize that as well. It's one of those things where everybody's different in terms of how they, what deception they're putting up in terms of how they're creating the energy and creating the container to have a conversation, period. Yes. 
So let's talk about it in terms of this episode. Let's jump into deception in this episode. First things first. Let's, well, I was going to say, what are moments of this episode where deception was like, oh, that's a deception moment. I have a moment of unintentional deception. Ooh. Lay it on me, brother. So they're all like, oh my God, it's time for vacation. (laughs) And they all want to go on these mini vacations. And I think it's funny because, (laughs) because... Toph's like, when am I going to earn a vacation? Oh, I chuckled at Sokka's line. You haven't been working long enough to earn your vacation days. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's so, so real. true. <laughs> that's such a real, oh, that's such a real employer response. Yeah. Like, you have not earned your time yet. Um, but besides that, I just wanted to lift that up. But uh, Aang's deception is really unintentional in that Katara's like, oh, I want to go to this really cool, like, oasis this ice oasis and Aang's like oh my god it's pristine i don't say that very lightly because like it's super pristine and then they get there and it's like such a letdown but it's not what it was when Aang saw it a hundred years ago right so he wasn't lying but it was he was but it but he was right so at what point does our deception because of our ignorance make a difference at what point do we have a responsibility to stay current in order to not deceive others because i think culturally we would argue that oh you didn't like you didn't know you didn't lie you weren't like trying to lie to me or trying to deceive me so it's okay yeah and but at the same time you still unintentionally deceive them yeah hey let's go to this restaurant it's my favorite in the area and then you have no idea it's closed well, right and at, and at what point do you like is is it just a matter of language saying hey when i came here a hundred years ago it was, great. it was pristine and wonderful and amazing mm-hmm. and at which point everything is forgiven when we arrive because oh the caveat is it was a hundred years ago versus oh my god it's amazing we should totally go there it's beautiful and pristine and i don't say that lightly and i don't blame ang for that but i do think it's worth lifting up to say we have a responsibility to stay current do you have moments of this in in our current cultural climate that you are thinking of when you kind of see this i didn't know um well i i don't and just off the top of my head i almost think about it as when People of older generations typically tell about how things are. Oh yeah, that's and that, a and good that's, example. And so, like, and I, that's what made me think of is that, like, oh, that doesn't exist, or that doesn't happen, because they because have, of your privilege, well, they've never you experienced didn't see it. it right? Yeah, you've yeah. never seen it or experienced it. So, um, this is not a slight on my mom, right? This is uh, so I want to be very high level. We were having a conversation about the KKK existing in North Carolina. And she was like, oh, they aren't still around. No, facts. It's around. Yeah, and so, like, but, like, she wasn't trying to lie to me. She wasn't trying to discredit. Like, she just genuinely believed that they that didn't exist anymore in the way that it existed in the past. Um, and so it took a moment for her to be like, "What? Do you, wait, what? what? What do you mean there's an organized one 20 minutes from you? And I'm like, yeah. Like that's a thing that people know about, and um, so I—that's I, kind of what it brought up for me was this moment of there was no malintent, there was no interest, but it was not having all the facts and speaking without them. Well, and I th- I, there is in my first psychology class, AP Psychology, in my junior year of high school, there was a test that we took that was more like a 
uh, informational thing, but it's essentially, what are the things that you're 98% about? You are 98% sure that this is true. And people would circle things like there were options and they were like, is this true or false? And they had to circle it with 98% certainty that it was true. 98, right? If they felt like it was true. If they felt like it was true. And everyone just completely bombed because everyone's assumption of like 98% is... Yeah, I'm 98. I'm fine with with being 2% wrong. 98% sure. And everyone was more like 40% Right. right. And it was one of those things where that's such a huge deal because everyone's pumping through on Facebook and on Twitter and spouting what they perceive to be facts when really it's alternative facts. (laughs) And they're saying these things that they perceive to be true and they're just not. And people believe them. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to cite our sources. And if we don't, then we are creating a system in which perpetuates ignorance and perpetuates things that are false. The spiral of misinformation. Yes. And it's just, it's incredible how, how (laughs) susceptible we are to this false information. Weirdly enough, I want, like, that makes me think just of a couple weeks ago um, when it was reported about Kobe Bryant's death is how much was reported before it was even known. Yeah. And so we're sitting at a table with a group of friends where literally every person pulled up a different report of what had happened. And His so whole we family's like, dead in a helicopter. Right, we had no idea what had taken place. Um, and it took us a while to sit there and say, like, all right, we, there's six of us, and six of us have different stories on what's Twitter than actually what's actually true. going on. Yeah. Um, and that was because just people not sharing the truth. Um, we get a moment from Toph, where as they are riding into the desert, um, where she goes, there it is! And everyone runs over to the, her side of Appa. <laughs> and she quickly goes, "Is what I would, is, this is what it will sound like when you spot it. Because I'm blind. Um, which was a, it's a really interesting moment. It's very dark humor. It's very dark humor. Um, but also, like, deception, right? Like, that's, it a, is. Like, that's deception. Plain and simple. Like, it just, at the same time, like, whose fault is it for falling for that, right? Yeah. Like, because, like, yeah. they know she's blind. For her to yell, there it is. Like, no one caught it. But um, just an interesting moment as we're talking about deceiving others well it's and it's it's real like that's a kind of deception like and i i feel like there's a lot of humor in general in our culture that's involved with deception right it's part of the brunt of jokes is i'm going to deceive you lead you along this path when really i'm leading you down this one which is honestly so as i was growing up was when i was really uh i utilized that this humor and still do right this humor of like sure one of my favorite gags to do is is to mischaracterize uh, people in beloved uh, fan bases of lore. So, like, love to say that Dumbledore's from, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. What? Love to say that... You're wrong. Uh, you know, the Hobbit 
was in the cinematic universe of Harry Potter. Um, Star Trek and Star Wars are interchangeable. Vividly um, remember walking into movies. People get angry and people get so mad about it, and yet I do it all the time. Um, and even thinking just on it, for like, the kicks, I I so much dislike that when people do it to kids, and like because. With sarcasm and everything else, it is a place of it is based under ha ha ha. You're dumb, and you should feel dumb for not knowing that I was joking. Which, like, thinking on how it does right that now, make you feel? Like, not good. Yeah. Well, again, like, I've talked to you about this before, good. right? I have a problem with humor. Like, I don't like watching stand-up comedy because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Because a lot of the times, the humor is rooted in. Someone else feeling someone dumb. else's feeling dumb. Someone else's feeling like they are a bad person. Someone else feel like the, it's rooted in racism. It's rooted in jokes that are not culturally acceptable, and that's what makes them funny. Is because people are like, "Oh, that's uncomfortable. I'm gonna laugh now because it's uncomfortable." Well, even in movies that aren't like funny by nature, but have moments where you see that people are feeling uncomfortable. Like there's a moment in the movie Moonlight where people are laughing in the theater. And I vividly remember like, this isn't funny. Like that person is in pain, but what it is, is that that laughter is a safety mechanism of, I don't want to feel this right now. And so I'm going to laugh so that I don't have to engage with the discomfort. Well, it's interesting. Like one of the prerequisites for laughter is safety. You have to feel safe. You have to feel safe in order to, in order to laugh. Or laughing is a way to like create a safe space. Well, and, and like I, prerequisites in a sense that like in general, like if you are truly feeling unsafe, laughter is probably not you're going to be your typical reaction, right? And so, a prerequisite meaning that in order to laugh in a theater where that kind of a scene is happening and it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to laugh because this is like so un like, I don't believe this is actually happening that, Oh my God, really? <laughs> Are you kidding? That it's important to, to realize that the more aware and the more empathetic and the more things we are sensing and feeling around those things mm -hmm. starts to remove the capacity to laugh. Right, because we start to really understand and empathize, and then all of a sudden, those jokes aren't funny. Yeah, and like, let's be real. I love the show Friends, for instance. There are now so many jokes that you don't laugh at, but I don't they laugh at the jokes well. that I used to laugh in college when I was in so college. Many Chandler's gay jokes. Ha, I ha, laughed like... out loud during every single episode of that show, and now I don't. I love the show. I like. I love it for what it was at that time and what it taught me and those things. And nowadays, playing that show, I get, I cringe just as often as I laugh. I think you can do the same thing with How I Met Your Mother and the way that Barney Stinson treats majority of precisely women in that show. Like, right? It's, like it's meant to be a joke, and then you realize like, no, that's pretty bad. Like that's not okay. Yeah, and <laughs> I, one of the things I love about this show is. It's really it ages awesome. Well. It ages so well. <laughs> it's so great. It's, it's but just... even, We've even talked about moments that are played for humor, though, that are gendered or... Correct. We have. You're um, right. But I feel like in this, this context... Even this joke is this one that's 
Now, in the writers or creator, we will say uh, for creating moments that are inclusive and characters that are inclusive and treating them as heroes, the writers and creators do a great job. We've got Toph in this ep- in this series. Um, if you've watched the Dragon Prince, they've got probably one of the only heroes, phenomenal show, y'all. Um, one of the only heroes that I've ever seen that is deaf um, and mute and mute. And so when it comes to creating inclusive characters, they are doing a great job in, in, in leading the cultural um, makeup of what these shows could be and the characters they can have. And yet we still get j- jokes that are played at the this expense. And so is it – if it's one of those things where it's like, do I laugh at this joke? Like I want to laugh at this joke. And is it a well, – and Unless I, someone's in the room saying, like, no, that's totally cool. It's almost weird to do it if you're not blind. Well, it's one of those things where, like, I I don't begrudge people for laughing. No, not right? at all. I not think, at all. I think laughing is fine. I think enjoying the show and laughing is totally fine. I think what happens is, and what makes me uncomfortable is the, is the ignorance around the joke, right? And so if you laugh at the joke and then you don't understand the complexities around it and you don't understand what's going on and you don't understand like the story and the history and the context, that's where I start to be like, can I tell you about why this is less funny? Right. <laughs> and, well, why do, you have to, why do you have to ruin it for everyone? I'm like, ah! <laughs> Oh, man. I don't even have a good response for so, that. So, we got moments of deception. Do you have a good response to that? Send us a voicemail at thearchivia.gmail.com. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the big lie Sorry. that we, we all think about in this episode. We digress. We do. Um, the big lie, the easy one to latch onto is the, I'm not using this knowledge for my own personal gain or to gain advantage over another human. Um, Wanchi Tong explicitly calls them out for that. Calls them out and says, don't do this. Yeah. And they're like... I will explicitly not do this. Actually, Aang is more like, hey, we will do what is right with this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm the Avatar. Yeah. And he believes them. Maybe. That's my point as well, right? So one of the things that I wrote was, he is so bitter, last episode, towards humans about their lies. He's willing to like deceive them and that, say like i believe you that he kind of says hey y'all i'm i trust you and then he spies on them and like comes back and visits them and like like oversees them well, and you're so predictable yeah like, exactly knew, so, like why let them in in the first place if you knew they were going to do it anyways exactly like just, why, why just to catch them in the act yeah yeah i just i'm gonna prove to you that this is i know you're going to do this because i'm the all-knowing owl spirit yeah yeah yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't love that character, right? Like, I think he's a cool character. Yeah, cool as in like interesting. Well, it, do you and do you classify him on the chaotic, neutral, lawful good, all that good stuff? Like, almost is lawful he, is he good, just neutral, right? Neutral, like, is he just like neutral, just like is, or is it? I a, feel like in spirits in general are interesting in this whole show of like how do we care so this is like for everybody who's like what are you talking about like there's a D structure in which there is chaotic neutral and good right or lawful chaotic neutral and lawful 
and it good, neutral. Um, neutral and evil, right? So you can be chaotic good. You can be neutral good. It's you can be lawful alignment. Good. So yeah, how aligned are you? And you can be evil <laughs> and you can be lawful evil. So you follow the law, but you're evil. And so it's really like, or you can be like, no, 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 no. This is my law. I'm going to follow this law, and every other law is the wrong thing. And so, it's just really fascinating to think about like where do people fall in their character alignment. Fun fact: If you look up character alignment chart, the very first picture on Google are the characters from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Stop it. No, very true. Um, unfortunately, it also has the animated characters next to um, the live action characers. Oh of- God. Uh, something which that's, I am. That's not Anyways, a real thing. So if you want to see lawful good, they have listed as. You want to take a guess? Who's lawful good? Oh dear, I'm gonna be so bad at this. Um, there's shades of gray to everything, and that's all I see. Uh, who's? I mean, just who's naturally who's gonna be lawful? Katara. Good? Lawful good is Ang. Ang. Really? Yep. I feel like okay. On this chart. Sure, 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 sure. Neutral good. Katara. I'd put him the opposite. Chaotic good, Sokka. Okay. Lawful neutral, Iroh. True neutral, Appa. <laughs> okay. Which I get, like, Appa sure. just exists, right? Just like, exists, he yeah. just, like, doesn't have a sense of right or wrong. He's just. I don't know if I'd put him there. Nah, fair. Chaotic neutral, Zuko. Okay. Lawful evil, Ozai. Yes. I disagree. Oh, tell me more. Don't we learn in the search, the comic series, that Ozai murdered Ooh. his grandfather? Or father. Yeah. Father. Yes. Yeah. We do. So I don't that would not follow in lawful that would be out of outside of his character alignment according to the Interesting. This. Okay. Neutral evil is Admiral Zhao. Which I would almost consider him more he tries to abide by the law more. And then chaotic evil is Azula. Yeah. So that yeah. is what is listed there. If you have a different alignment, we would love to hear from you. Can you put characters in a different spot? Or do you agree with the spot that Google has presented us? I always think of uh, Jean Valjean and... Um, why can't I think of his name? Les Miserables. Yes, but what's the... Who's chasing Jean Valjean the whole time? Oh my god. Stars. He's out in the darkness. Javert. Javert. I would like I put him as like lawful neutral. Javert? Yeah. He's just lawful, what? man. He's not doing anything like he's just following the law. Interesting. Interesting. Anyways, so that's your character alignment. So I don't even know how we got onto that or that little side tangent. I totally forgot. I don't either anyways um oh we were talking about where Wanchitang Wanchitang would would fall on that list if you would like to put Wanchitang on that list please send us in at a voicemail or make your own character alignment sheet with the avatar characters yeah i'd love that to look at we'll put that on our instagram you won't do it you won't do it um so you get this moment where, like, it's it's just interesting. Why does he lie? Why does he lie and say that he believes them or trusts them when he cle- when he doesn't? And I don't know if it's fair. To, it's the, my perception is that he doesn't. 
Yeah, my, again, mine is as well. And so if you have a different idea, I'd love to hear from it just because I'd love to hear a different perspective. But for me, it seems like he's baiting them. Like, I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. That's what it feels like. Pardon, pardon, Knowing that they probably will. Yeah, pardon my use of, you know, vivid imagery. But, like, that seems exactly what he's doing, right? I'm just going to give you this rope and let you tie the knot. Because he's pretty honest from the get-go. Humans are only interested in learning things to get the edge on other humans. Yeah. Like, he's well, saying it from it the get-go. It sucks because it feels like that's true based off what's happening. But what we're, like, let's look at the, like, that's layer one. But layer two is they're doing this for what is the greater good, if you will. Well, And, and we see that there's a moment that he, they disprove that. When the professor is literally there not to save his own skin, but is like, I, could, I just want to gain this knowledge. My pushback on the professor is, what is the purpose of gaining that knowledge? If you cannot use if it. If you cannot use it. Here, here. If you cannot put it into practice. Um, knowledge for knowledge's sake seems selfish i say that as someone who watches a lot of movies and like prides well, myself on like how much i know about movies well, and, and for like... me learning is my number one strength according to strength finders right there's a, whatever it is clifton strengths or whatever the test that i took but learning was my number one strength is that not a gallup survey yes but clifton strengths is the company got it okay so moral of the story is side tangent that is so irrelevant <laughs> yeah moral of the story is learning is my number one thing so i love learning knowledge i love gaining things that will that i perceive that will be helpful towards me helping others honestly and like reading books and watching this show and doing this podcast i i'm i feel like i'm constantly learning doing these but things for the purpose of but my goal ultimately is to be able to use that knowledge in order to serve others and that goes to my second strength which is input which is a complete irrelevant side tangent but essentially using that learning to put into resources for other people is how i would label that and so it's one of those things where for me it feels selfish for the professor to stay in a library that is literally sinking underground where he will not have nourishment. He will not have, I just don't understand why. He even says like, I could, I could stay in here for eternity, which is sure. And you're not using that information for any purpose, but you can't continue to learn if you're going to die in three weeks from a lack of food or rather a week if you don't have water. Right. And so I just, I'm really curious what our listeners' perspective is on this because I don't know that I see a good reason for him to stay. I agree. I like if you can't use the knowledge, what's the purpose? And to go back to the owl spirits point, what is the definition of gaining an advantage over something or someone? Is that necessarily, is that more of a tool, like, or is that a neutral, or is that a good or a bad thing, right? So, like, I use knowledge so that I can better be equipped and have an advantage in leading crucial conversations of accountability, right? Hopefully, other people have done that work, but I'm doing that so I can be better at navigating that conversation with another person. Um, and so... Is that a bad thing to be able to learn as a sense of gaining advantage or to, or to get better at something? 
but in this context, it's very much war driven, which I understand where that why. And it's just why part you of, put that as like part no, of me is upset because if they were at any other point in the series, I wonder if they would have gone in and sought out different information and found things that like I wonder if the Wanshi Tong's pers- it seems like when people find the library, they're doing it because that is the final resource that they have been able to use in order to succeed and feel successful in their life like the only resource in some certain situations like this is the only place where this knowledge is and maybe it is because all these foxy spirits are stealing Stealing it from everywhere else (laughs) like so is that even fair like i'm gonna steal all of this knowledge that's an interesting reading to think that he's like hoarding the knowledge rather than like creating a resource for other people. If the foxes are taking these things and he's requiring people to give these things to get into it, at what point is he not living into the purpose of the library? Which Part of me to... wonders if he's then like lawful evil. He perceives the law in an evil way and therefore I'm upholding the law by taking your life for using it in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Right? interesting yeah because there's some documents that are in there that aren't anywhere else that he's keeping from the world by being there yeah 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 so and not allowing people to view it can we go back to the foxy knowledge seekers we should i feel like we're just floating around this episode like in a weird yeah. way so, continue so the scholar when they first meet him is like oh my god airbender oh my god air temple oh my god what agriculture let me ignore your personal space and put a needle on your forehead to measure how big your head is yeah um one of the things he says max would hate that is yeah oh god max you like people touching you it's fine without asking like if i just walked up behind you and measured your skull that'd be different (laughs) fair enough i think he's underplaying it yeah fair continue anyway so this guy says something along the lines of these they're they're the foxy knowledge seekers in which case Sokka is like I'm sorry what'd you say foxy knowledge seekers I, I need you to spell that for me just for clarification i need to understand whether or not max needs to bleep that after after you say it it's kind of funny because that's kind of the whole point right is the the this is a kid's show, right? Yeah. And this guy is saying foxy knowledge seekers. And Sokka's like, oh, yeah? Super cute, huh? Not really, but like that's what he's implying. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 no. They're super handsome. And they're like foxes. And it's, <laughs> and it's really interesting because in a way, we can be deceived by language, the way that someone words something, intentional or unintentional, can deceive us, right? Oh, definitely intentionally. Well, I don't know if it was intentionally here. No, I'm saying... Which makes it all the more dangerous. Yes. Right? He's saying something in a way that, oh, these these foxy, which the connotative idea of that is that, oh, they're beautiful, like sexual x y and z people and Sokka's like ooh, sexual tell me more and (laughs) that's that is unfortunate because this guy is like totally goes over his head he's like no 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 they're totally beautiful they're handsome and they're actually foxy 
<laughs> because they're foxes. Because they're foxes. It's just... Well, that even goes to me, like, when we hear dehumanizing language being used on media, right? To describe Can you elaborate groups. on that? Yes, absolutely. To describe groups of people uh, as illegals, right? Like, by saying that, you are creating a connotation and creating a story um, about what who individuals are. And so when you use language that's dehumanizing as in taking away their humanity and slapping a label on them... You are creating a story to deceive or to paint a picture the way you want it to be seen. The way that you might view it as truth, and yet it is clearly using that language in a way to to get other people on board with that. It's just, it's terrifying to me because we are so susceptible to it, and we have no idea. We have no idea. I mean, right? Yeah. Well, it take you have to you have to recognize it. And if you don't, that's dehumanizing language. It goes right over your head, correct? And it becomes part of your vocabulary, and it becomes part of what you perceive to be true, correct. rather than part as something that is untrue that people that all quote alternative facts that other people are spreading. And I feel like our culture today, holistically, is unprecedentedly susceptible to this type of deception to the deception of language and the words that we choose to describe and i feel like like honestly we are doing a greater service to the world by enhancing our vocabulary we were all taught sticks and stones can break our bones and words can't hurt us and the reality is they yeah, can. Yes, absolutely they can. It absolutely Language can. is important. Language is important. Words are important. And the way that you phrase things are important. The, the tone you... is important. The delivery is important. I just I ca- I cannot under like I can't overstate that. Like I it's so important. It's so real and so tangible how it real and necessary it is to say things in a way that are true when so it goes back to our initial statement so uh we will not have time to dive into all of this philosophically um but if you see that as true and i need to use this language to get a bunch of people to believe what i'm saying because i think it's important that they do i'm gonna lie and use this language or say these things because the end game is going to be there. And if anyone sees the deception, I'm going to say, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Well, because it serves the purpose that we need it to serve for the whole, the good of the group, right? It, um, if someone's getting sexually assaulted, yell fire, right? Because people are more likely to respond and help than if you were yelling rape, right? Oh, how devastating is so, that? So like, that is a lie, a deception for the greater for good. For the great for the good of the situation. Yeah. Right? The whole greater good the, concept so is also deci- dangerous, by the way. Who decides what that is because that also goes to the other side. The other side of that coin is I need you to fear a group of people, I'm going to call them illegals. I, I might believe, I hate that. I'm, I'm not, so sad. It I, makes like, I oh. might believe that. I might genuinely believe that that's true. Yeah, I know. And so I'm gonna do that because I think it's for the greater good of the of the country or the or the or the people that I'm working with. Um, 
And so it's a it's a double sided coin. And it's, it's like, oh my god, it just reminds me of Harry Potter and how the Greater Good was contrived in a terrible way by Grindelwald, right? And so there's just so many different ways to interpret and ways to think and ways to use positive language in a way that is negative and I just side note the crimes of grindelwald was a mediocre movie as exposition for whenever the third one is coming other side note last thing the cursed child is canon and i need to say that and have that be on record what the cursed child is canon oh god oh god canon we digress it's we digress canon it's i'm going back to wanchi tong Wanchitong. If I'm Wanchi also, if I'm also ah, gonna ah, make other ah, fan bases mad, the Last Jedi is the greatest. What are film you doing in the Star Wars franchise? What are you doing? The Last Stop Jedi it. is You're, the we just greatest got like seven unfollows right in there in the that Star moment. Up seventeen. Franchise. You just uploaded. <laughs> you to recap. Stop it. The Cursed Child is canon. The Last Jedi is. Hey, and I'm hey, not saying. Hey. I'm not saying the Last Jedi is the best of the new trilogy. I'm saying. Out of all movies that have ever been created for the Star Wars franchise, Stop The Last talking. Jedi is the greatest Wan one. Wan is something we need to talk about right now. Can you go over the deception he put up by his initial appearance? And then when he gets angry, he turns into this long neck dowel, and that's a whole different appearance. What a deception, right? He's got such a long neck. Do owls normally have that kind of a long neck? I mean, yes. No, they do not. I don't know. He's a spirit animal. He doesn't only, have that kind of a neck. I was only 98% sure. I'm a pretty big little. <laughs> I, see I heard long there. neck. Are we talking about little foot? You talking clams, about from the, actually. Long neck clams. The Land Before Time? Yeah. I, I don't think I've watched that entire franchise. Stop it. Little oh, foot. The franchise? Spike. You don't need to watch the whole franchise. The first movie is all you need. I saw The Good Dinosaur from Pixar. Dimitri. I never saw that. Sarah. That Seems like we're moving on from this, and we're about ready for one of those dinosaurs' names is just Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Max is gonna name future children Littlefoot, and then Sarah. <laughs> it could happen. Um, let's talk. So we've talked a lot about deception. We've talked about we've kind of tangented on things. I don't know if we've really pulled like a big takeaway out of it, and I think that part of the reason for that is 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 deception itself you said is four times in a row is deception (laughs) neutral is it by nature neutral it's it's good when it's required for safety it's evil when it's used in a way to get people to do your thing for your own personal benefit and gain um what's the takeaway after watching this episode, what's the takeaway on deception? Because honestly, I'm fine with everything the way that it plays out from a sense of what the gang does, right? Like we know as the audience that they need that knowledge to better be prepared to take on Lord Ozai, who is trying to do something hold, evil. Hold on, but really though, if we take a jump ahead and look ahead, when the solar eclipse happens, that's not when they win. Correct. Right? That that information honestly doesn't seem to make that much of a difference fair so is wanchi tong right but how do you know that in the moment you, you we don't right and that's that's the interesting point, what if it though. was about like 
hey, by the way, the way, have, the way to defeat Fire Lord Ozai is to take the, away his bending. But the problem like, is, like we have hindsight, right? We have hindsight knowledge. We've seen the whole series. We've seen all of this. We know that that episode is like five from the end. Mm-hmm. We know five, it might be more than that. Like, we know that that's not the end-all, be-all. That Correct. moment is, in fact, a moment they've prepared for. They are, they are, they even prepared for the ambush. And so, that moment is not as important as it seems. And yet, Wan Tong, the knower of, what, 10,000 things, turns out to be right. And that's, in and of itself, is like, I'm on Aang's side. I'm on Asaka's side. I'm on the gang's side of trying to get this information because I know that they are trying to do the right thing. But what turns out to be true is that that information that they found makes no difference. Other than the fact that it gives them hope and purpose. It's kind of like the entire plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that movie shouldn't exist, and it's not that good, because whether or not Indiana Jones was there, they still would open the chest and burn their faces off. Like, him being there serves no purpose. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a garbage movie. You're really trying to lose followers. No, I think it's just it's just my opinions that we're, we're here to share. Y'all... I really want to hear your perception of deception. I really want to hear when is it okay to lie? When is it okay to deceive? And when is it not? And because, frankly, I haven't solved the riddle yet. And I'd love to hear more information to help me get there. Yeah. This might not be the only time we use deception as a lens. There might be another great episode. And honestly, if out of all the lenses that we picked to, to redo which is none of them now, that might be one worth doing to dive even more into our feelings of deception. Maybe. We've got a voicemail. We do! That we should listen to. Is there anything else that we need to talk about on this episode? I think I hit everything I wanted to hit. Yeah. I feel good. We skipped the end. Tell me more. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Is Was there deception there? No. There, I, honestly, I don't know, like... The Sandbenders pretty much did it straight up, and Toph tried so hard to fight for Appa and save the gang at the same time. Well, she was torn between a rock and a hard place, right? Or rather, no hard places. Because she she chose the hard place, which was trying to make sure that the library... Save the gang or save Appa. The entire gang or save Appa. She chose what would be perceived as the greater good, in which case Aang was super PO'd about it. But... In the moment, I you know what I found interesting actually was how quickly Aang knew that Appa was gone in a bad way, right? He was like, "Where's Appa?" and saw Toph just dejected and face down and not responding, and just knew that he was gone and was not gone in a way where he just flew off and was coming back. Yep. I was struck by how quickly Aang realized because I would have been like, where's Appa? Oh, he's flying off. He'll be back. I wonder if that's history because Appa doesn't really do that. That's fair. You're right. So that's, I, that's like, a good point. You know, so like, just like, you know, with your own pets, right? Like if your dog were to run off, run off, you probably wouldn't think, oh, they'll come back. You have historical evidence that would point to like yeah i need to go find that dog interesting 
So I wonder if that's more of he knew that Oppa wouldn't leave without him. Yeah. And so with him not being there, it's a oh he just starts crying and it's just oh it's tragic. And so begins the terrible six episodes of the next several episodes. We're already there. Ugh. Because we got Serpent's Pass, then the Drill episode. Oh, God. Both of um, them. City and Walls and oh, Secrets. Oh, no. Appa's Lost Day. Oh, no, no, And no. then... We're skipping that one. Lake Guy. I kind of like that episode. Oh, yeah, it gets kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say from the, from the library, and honestly, even before that, if we were going to go a little bit for bitter work, uh, two rough endings back to back, and then um, a lot of no Appa. I don't love it. Super sad. Let's go to that voicemail. Grab your tissues, everyone, because it's coming. All right, uh, Max, you got anything to add? I do not. One day he'll have One something. One day. One day he'll have something. All right, we'll be right back, and we will then jump into our uh, voicemail and then devotion. You have reached the voicemail box of... Bending, not breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Ben. Hey, Sunshine. Uh, I love the podcast, and I hope you're both doing all right. So I recently left my job, and it was jarring to realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in my employment or my career. It's been a few months now, and the process of seeking employment is wearing on me. Uh, In this age of digital expediency, getting responses is kind of a rare thing. Um, But given all my spare time, I was recently scrolling through social media and another Avatar fan friend of mine had posted a quote by Guru Patik. And to respond, I used (laughs) a gif of everyone's favorite sage tea drinker, Uncle Iroh. Um, It's a line of his from an episode that I usually skip on rewatches, actually, I realized. But it's a line of his from the episode Avatar Day. uh, And it's, In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. For obvious reasons, this struck a chord with me in a new way. I was listening to the episode you guys did covering uh, Avatar Day, and it got me thinking about the word justice uh, in a different lens about doing justice to yourself, getting up every day and showing your true quality without basing it on a job or anything, doing it for yourself, for your own light, for your own hope. I wanted to put this quote back out there for any of your listeners that may be going through some hard self-discovery or even just a rough day. Um, Ira's the best. This show's the best. You guys are the best. Keep up the good work. Cameron, I'm really incredibly thankful for the time it took for you to do this and to send this your voicemail and to talk about Iroh and your situation with job finding. I honestly am terrified of looking for another job and to know that someone else is going through a situation that is tough, but you are also finding strength and hope from within, uh, especially with Iroh's blessing and with Iroh's conversation, it just really makes a huge difference in my confidence moving forward. And so I just really appreciate you lifting that up and giving us a chance to have this conversation. And so thank you, Cameron, for being a listener and being a part of this community and for really um, helping us see more through Avatar. Sunshine, what did you see? What did you hear? 
Oh, that was just, I love hearing other people's perspective, perspectives on it and how it really does impact the day-to-day. I think this fandom is something that's really special um, in the way that we see that episodes truly have and give people joy and hope and that this show has done something that's really cool, um, which I think is fun to really be a part of. Um, so Cameron, thank you so much for sharing that. It means the world to us that you sent that in and um, thank you for, for consistently listening. Uh, we hope that we can continue to provide excellent content and, and get better and better as we go on. Keyword hope. We hope. Um, let's talk a little bit about devotion. And I think for me... Let's talk about the lens first, right? The lens. Lens is deception through Des- a lens of fire. 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 Stop it. Quick reminder that we're already over one hour on this podcast. Thank you, Max, for giving us that insight. I don't care about that. All right. Um. So fire. I when we talk about deception, we it almost we almost talked about it like we talk about fire, right? In some ways, shapes and forms, when it's controlled, it can be warming. It can provide safety. It can provide comfort. Um, and then sometimes it, when it's not controlled, it can be incredibly destructive. Ooh, I love that. Um, and so for me, it's recognizing the, the times that I am deceptive and what purpose is there for and having intentionality behind that? Is it for a warming sense or are there times that I'm doing it um, that are causing destruction? And if I am working to be aware of that, that will help me gain a better understanding of what it means to be deceptive and is that a good or bad thing? Yeah, that's so interesting because mine was similar in a way because I wanted to think about fire in its different stages. So like when you are building a fire and you're building the wood and you're creating the kindling and then the base layers, etc. And then you light it. It's very fragile. It might not stay lit, but later on, once the embers are hot and you have a bunch of hot embers and it's very harder, it's much harder to put out. Right. And so I want to think about my deception in that way. And mostly my awareness of deception in that way. I want to hear better and what i mean by that is when someone asks me how my day is i want to be a better listener in that i want to hear when someone genuinely wants to hear the answer i want to maybe even clarify and say hey tell me like are you almost even asking are you genuinely interested in that answer or are you just asking to be polite (laughs) Uh, and i i want to be more perceptive and want to take more be more mindful essentially around people's asking that question and when someone asks me i want to answer in a way that reflects how they want to be responded to um if someone genuinely wants to hear an answer, I want to do a better job of giving them that answer and letting them know how I feel. And that being said, if I'm not up to it, I want to be confident and stand my ground and feel more bold as fire is around not answering and be like, 
instead of saying I'm fine, maybe saying I'll talk to you soon or I will answer that in a few minutes. I'm not ready yet. Just being more honest with my answer rather than being deceptive or being more aware of how they want to be responded to. That's kind of how I'm feeling. Awesome. What are y'all going to do this week? Let us know at thearkabia.gmail.com. Follow us at bnb underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we've got some podcasts to highlight. If you are a fan of the lenses that we do here and want to hear a, a way to talk about those that does not involve Avatar, make sure you follow the Vespers Project, also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Love to see you listen. That is featuring the, the one and only Ben Pruitt. Um, and then if you are interested in movies, film, television, music, all that good stuff, the Arc of E podcast is a home base for all of that. Also on uh, Stitcher and all the places that you listen to podcasts. So the Arc of E podcast is a wonderful thing to go listen to um, and make sure that you just have some fun. They do a lot of top 10 lists and talk about things that they've recently saw, and that's with our executive producer, Noah Blanchard, and typically his brother, Gavin Blanchard. And so make sure you go listen to the Blanchard Brothers over at the Arc of E podcast. Thank you all so much for spending time with us. I've been Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt. And this is Bending Not Breaking. And remember, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is canon. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is an excellent podcast. Just to delete what he just said. Okay, goodbye. Bye.